Hey, this is LOA Today, the Law of Attraction show. Welcome to LOA Today. My name is Walt Thiessen. And it's Walt and Louise here on LOA Today. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our second broadcast. We're hoping it's going to be a lot smoother than the first one went. The first one we had dead air for three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, something like that, but not this time. Yay! So it's been quite a week for us. We've had ups and downs as we usually do, but uh, we've, we've been running into more and more LOA showing up in little ways in our lives. And, and that seems to be like an ongoing pattern for us. Um, for instance, just as I go through my work day, I find that when I'm focusing on positives, I tend to get positives. When I focus on negatives, I tend to get negatives. And it happens fast. I mean, I'm, I'm not getting the big... The, the big goals aren't, aren't here yet, but I'm getting the instant interaction. And, and that's what I've been seeing. Have you been seeing anything like that? In little ways, um, but I've also been um, experiencing an increase in confidence in achieving one of my big goals. Uh, something I had talked to my husband about, oh goodness, two, three years ago, an idea I had, but then talked myself out of it to the, um, the economy and my lack of knowledge about the law of attraction. And I am now at a point where, yes, the economy is a little bit better, but I'm not going to make that part of the equation any way, shape, or form, that I am going to move forward with my idea and work on it every day. So I get the proposal that I'm writing ready and send it off and trust the house to the universe and expect that I'm going to have a new career um, in very short order. I'm not putting a time frame on it. I would like it to be sooner rather than later, but that's up to you. Mike Dooley will be very proud of you for putting the cursed house behind you. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody should stand behind me. Absolutely. Why not now? <laughs> do you want to talk about at all about the, what you're planning to do, or, or should we not cut yet. off? Not, not yet. yet. Okay. Well, let's see. What else can we talk about uh, in terms of what we've been going through the last week, or even, I, I guess since this is our second show, we can actually talk about stuff besides the past week, although in the long run, that's what we're going to be talking about, what's right. been going on. But what about our trip to go visit your mom and what you would hope to accomplish? Oh, yeah. My, my mom is currently in a uh, extended care center uh, trying to recover from a fracture or fractures actually um, due to osteoporosis and uh, has been rather down, as you might imagine. She hasn't been uh, able to take care of herself. She hasn't been able to get around like she normally can. And she, she is on the elderly side. She's in her 80s. But uh, it, it's been frustrating for her. So we decided we were going to go visit her this past Saturday, which we did. And we decided to go with the idea that we were going to share some LOA concepts with her, including a section from the book The Secret. Because for those of you who know that book, there is one segment within the section on um, uh, your health where they tell the story of the gentleman who crashed the airplane. His name is Morris Goodman. 
And Morris, of course, had much more severe problems than my mother. He was paralyzed from the neck down and was told he was going to be a vegetable and would never be able to do anything but blink his eyes for the rest of his life. But he didn't believe that, of course, because he's an LOA practitioner. And he actually, in his own words, put things back together again to the point where he crashed the airplane in May, I believe it was 1982. And by December of that year, his goal was to walk out of the hospital, which he did by Christmas. I mean, that's just phenomenal that he was able to do that. And that was in contrast to what the doctors and nurses were telling him. They thought he would never be able to walk again. That's right. Yeah, it was just really a tremendously inspiring story. And I thought that the similarity to what my mom is going through was appropriate because she's obviously not paralyzed, but she was laid up by fractures. So I figured that would be a good thing to read to her. So I brought the book, read that section. It's only about two pages long. And she really liked it. In fact, she liked it so much she started asking questions. Now, I should point out we have talked about law of attraction with her previously and gotten the usual mom-type response, not particularly into it, but polite and interested that we're interested in that kind of thing. Typical mom, right? Right. But this time around it was different. This time she was paying attention. I mean, her focus was really there. And she was asking questions and trying to figure out how to apply it in her own life. So I also pulled out, I brought the Mike Dooley books with us, the Notes from the Universe, and I pulled those out and read a few of those. In fact, I'll read the first one that I brought along. Do you have it over there? Which one? Yes, that one, the first one. It's the very first note in the book. And when I read it to her, it had a predictable effect because anybody who reads it or hears it for the first time usually laughs at the end. So I'll read it to you. It says, it's me, the universe. I've got good news and bad news. The good news is that you've passed the audition. Yeehaw! You've earned your wings. You're a certified, bona fide being of light capable of transcending all fears and manifesting all dreams. From here on out, you have but to dwell upon what you want, and I must bring it forth. The bad news is that this message was supposed to have reached you eons and eons ago. Sorry. And she loved that. She just burst out laughing, which was probably the first time that she had laughed in, I don't know, a month, something like that. So that alone took the edge off. And then from that point on, it was just one thing after another, talking about all the different ways that that she can look at at reaching out by, by picturing her final result in her mind, what she wants to achieve, and then focusing on that and not worrying about how she was going to get there. Uh, obviously, she has to do the work. She has to do the therapy. Right. But, um, but by the end of it, she had bought into it. She was, she was focused. She was ready to go. And I, I haven't checked back with her since Saturday, but I've got to give her a call and find out how she's doing with it. But based on what I was seeing Saturday, oh, boy, it was looking really good. Tell them about the poem and how that transpired. Oh, yeah. Um, we were talking about the importance of when you're feeling down and having trouble getting into a positive frame of mind, trying to focus on what, what some people would call counting your blessings or other people would say just thinking about positives in your life. And I just kind of you know, ripped off a list of possible things that I've, talked, I've thought about when I was trying to get myself out of a funk. And one of the things I listed was you know, how beautiful the, the sky is when the sky is blue. And she stopped me right there and asked me to reach into her bedside table and instructed me where to find a piece of paper. And so I did. I pulled out the paper, and on that paper was a poem that was printed out and given to her by one of her good friends at the senior center where she lives about blue skies. And she actually read it to me. So 
not only was she focused on it, but here was a little LOA kicking into gear. All I had to do was talk about one of the things that you can focus on to get yourself in a positive mood, and there she had it right in her bedside table. Which was quite a surprise that to us that your mom would have something like that um, on her. A little unusual, yeah. That's not typical for her. Uh, she's she, she is Christian. She's not necessarily what most people would consider a typical Christian. She's perhaps more liberal in a sense, but uh, she's still pretty much into the Christian viewpoint and a little bit resistant to the idea of LOA, although there are certainly roots of LOA in Christianity and, and biblical teaching, but nevertheless, she, she is a little bit traditional there. So yeah, that was a bit unusual and very positive, too. Yeah, very much so. So that was another good thing that happened this week. Um, one of the things that we tried to make happen this week, <laughs> didn't really pull it off, was we tried to set things up so that we could do call-ins. And Mark, my brother, and I were actually doing some testing earlier today, trying to make it work. And, oh, boy, if you'd happened to tune into the station, you would have heard some very weird things as we were doing our testing with, with sound that was clipping all over the place and uh, it was dropping out and, and coming back in. Oh, we were just wrestling and wrestling, trying to figure out how to make the darn thing work because there's so many possible things that could go go wrong. So. It's a little disappointing because uh, Mark and Yuana wanted to join us tonight, and we were hoping they would be able to join us via Skype connection. But uh, we're going to have to put that joyous offering off for another day, unfortunately. Oh, well. But we will live. More to come. <laughs> More to come. So we, we hadn't really worked out an agenda this week um, like we had the last time around, so we're, li- we're winging it a little bit. I was thinking go through some of uh, Mike Dooley's stuff, but I don't know if you had anything in mind. Quite a bit today on my while I was at work and the babies were sleeping. Let's see if I can find one. This is something we often do, by the way, uh, especially in the evening. We'll pull out one of the books and we'll just read some of the notes and just talk about, you know, how how they affect us at that moment or what we what we think about when we hear them. So we figured we might try that with you and see what you think of it. So what'd you find? Oh, I can read this one. Yeah, go ahead. It says, oh, hi, at least you were still talking to me. <laughs> I was just sitting here on the beach wondering whether or not the whole thing was a good idea in the first place, you know. When the idea first dawned on me, it just seemed like one heck of an adventure. Endless possibilities, incomparable camaraderie, a little bit of me and everyone. Okay, a lot. <laughs> my style, my rhythm, my appetite for fun. I had no idea people could feel lost Excuse me. I had no idea people could feel so lost, so sad, so alone. Well, this much I know for sure. Next time I throw a bring your out-of-body party in the middle of the night, we won't turn off the music at the sound of the first alarm clock. Escorts will be provided upon re-entry to avoid accidental body swapping. An illumination, guardianship, and inspiration shall be made available at all times for those who are confused just like on Earth, as long as they ask and expect to be heard. Shake your tail, feathers, the universe. What do you think I was talking about? By the way, loved you killed. Where it fit. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, I had a little trouble with this one. Yeah, that's a little bit uh, out there, I would say. I wasn't quite sure what he was talking about when he's talking about throw a bring your out-of-body party in the middle of the night. So I guess it's basically talking about if you're dreaming... 
That's what I was thinking. And the alarm clock goes off, and you have to get up quite quickly. That next time, they'll make the re-entry into the time and space world from the spiritual world a little less jarring. <laughs> I, I, I think it's fair to point out this particular note comes from the third book in the series, the even more notes from the universe. So this perhaps falls into the category of the advanced LOA being. Okay, well that's maybe why I have I'm having some trouble with it. I'm still uh, a novice, and this is more the master. So okay. That's right. Actually, there was another one in uh, this one is uh, I'm looking at right now is more notes from the universe, and I have a whole bunch of these flagged, but there was one in particular. Let's see if I can grab it here. I thought it was particularly poignant. Okay. Yeah, this is the one. It says, Now, be honest and think of all your dreams that have already come true. That's an interesting point right there. A lot, right? Tons. Actually, you're a bit of a legend here already. Now, do you remember how before all the big ones came true, when you were pushing and reaching and striving, hoping, wishing, and praying, you'd think to yourself, then I'll be freer. Then I'll be more confident. Then I'll know all things are possible. How happy I will be. Hey, what happened? <laughs> That's a really good one because it reminds us we, we may not have reached the goals we are currently going for, but we have reached goals in the past. That's and, right. and one of the things we humans have a tendency to do is to just overlook that and say, oh, well, I got there. When before we were saying, wow, if I could ever get there, I'd feel so good. So it's almost like we didn't keep the, the, the bargain. We didn't keep our side of the bargain. That's right. That's right. So is it any wonder that we have additional trouble trying to hold that kind of feeling in advance of what we're trying to achieve? We don't, we don't even take the time to practice feeling good about what we already achieved. And being grateful for it and validating or valuing the effort that we put forth That's to right. make it happen. Exactly, yeah. So it becomes really important to... Uh, to follow up on not just the stuff we're trying to achieve, but the stuff that we've already achieved. And I have to admit, sometimes it's hard for me to remember because I get so caught up in just the everyday living, just the everyday trying to reach out for the next goal and whether or not I've gotten there, you know, getting caught up in the cursed house and all that kind of stuff, that when, when I finally reach a goal, I often forget. I just forget. And that's a skill. That's a skill, remembering. You, you've actually taught me some of that. Louise and I have been together for uh, 14 years now, 13 years married, and from very early, early on in the relationship, she was always trying to find ways to get me to focus on what good things were happening right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a great gift. Thank you for giving that to me. <laughs> oh, thank you. So I'm, I'm beginning to learn to do it. I'm beginning to get better at it. But that's, uh, I guess that's what it's all about with uh, being a practitioner of LOA, getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. What I've been struggling with or trying to be more conscious of is to let go more of being the human and focus more on being the spirit and focusing more on my own spirit and my own spiritual journey. And now, you've talked about that a lot during our, our time together, your, your spiritual journey and what you've been turning into in your mind, our spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? Oh, gosh. What does the journey mean or being a spirit? Well, both. What is, what is being on a spiritual, spiritual journey? What does that 
what does that convey in your own mind when you say that? It's fine. Oh, gosh. That's a good question. And <laughs> <laughs> you caught me off guard. Because um, I don't want to just give it a flippant answer. It's going beyond what everyone has told me I am or I'm supposed to be, which mm. growing up as a girl, uh, born in the mid-50s, growing up in the 60s and 70s, I grew up with a very codependent relationship, trying Sam to figure out what everybody else wanted me to be or needed to be, to be acceptable. You'll feel warm but there was always a part of me, and I told do. you this, I think it was at about age 13, I just knew that I needed to hide a part of myself away. And I always put my hand sort of on my solar plexus, that I needed to hide that part of me away because it wasn't safe um, emotionally to have that part of myself present and that at some later date I would be able to retrieve it. I kind of forgot about that. I remember doing it, but I forgot that I needed to go back and get that part of myself. Uh, but even prior to that, <clears throat> back when I was a little girl, um, I was fascinated by religion and it wasn't so much that it wasn't at all the dogma of religion it was the trappings of religion I have a book that I now I always thought was mine and I found it recently and it was given to my sister actually but I <laughs> confiscated it somewhere in our childhood and I used to love to pick it was a book geared for children so the pictures of uh, people from different religious sex were of children or were pictures that would appeal to children. And I just found that fascinating to see uh, little Buddhist children with their part of their head shaved or uh, Orthodox Jewish boys with their side curls um, and on and on and on. But that always fascinated me. But it never answered a question that I had that I didn't even have words for and started me on a journey that I continue to be on today, which I now understand more fully, is I was never satisfied with what <clears throat> my parents and other religious leaders and friends and society was telling me. It just did not fit. And I was lucky enough to have strong enough belief in my own experience of the world that if somebody told me something was real and my experience told me it wasn't, I believed myself. I might not try and convince that person that they were wrong, but I knew that my experience was valid. So coming to LOA and finding out how much of what I was told and what all of us have been told is a lie, mm. a big lie, and that we are not humans having a spiritual experience, we are spirits having a human experience, makes so much more sense to me. Mm. It fills in so many of the gaps. The law of attraction gives me um, a tool and a path um, to follow and to achieve and be successful. Whereas what 
work, you know, the old Puritan ethic, work hard and you'll succeed, or, you know, only the meek inherit the earth, or nothing worth having um, comes easy. Well, that's baloney. <laughs> it is baloney. One, one of the other pieces of baloney that uh, I've struggled with for a large portion of my life, not, well, I shouldn't say a large portion, early on in my life I struggled with it because it was it was pushed particularly hard in my early years, is the idea of altruism, selflessness, doing for others rather than for yourself. And one of the things that I've loved about exploring law of attraction and the pr- practitioners of it is how they don't buy that at all. As a matter of fact, they teach just the opposite. Um, again, from Mike Dooley, here's another one of his notes, and it's right on topic. It says, a public service announcement from the universe. Be on guard against those who help others in the name of sacrifice, selflessness, or altruism instead of in the name of joy, because usually they don't really help all that much. Sad is the life that gives without realizing how much in return it in turn it receives. Mm-hmm. And wow, what a different message that is from what I was getting when I was in my my formative years. If I had heard that when I was in those years, I can only begin to imagine how much different my life would have been. And girls were taught to take the crumbs, mm. to give to, you know, if you're going to get married, you give the best to your husband and your children. Yeah. You don't, you know, you don't buy a coat, you buy something for your children. You give the food away. You don't take care of your own needs. Mm-hmm. And More selflessness, more right. altruism. And I'm sh- I know for myself in doing any of that, there was resentment Rightfully uh, attached so. to that because... What I was saying to everyone else and to myself is that I don't count. My needs don't matter. And what I learned later on is, yes, I do matter, and it's a balance. And you and I have talked a little bit about that. this in that, okay, so we have two stakes. One is a little bit bigger than the other. Sometimes he gets the bigger stake. <laughs> sometimes I get the bigger stake. If there's leftovers that we both really like, Sometimes you get it, sometimes I get it. I don't always abdicate my needs um, for yours. Which I'm glad of. In fact, uh, when, on those occasions where you take the larger piece, it's amazing how often you'll get three-quarters of the way through and you'll say, Hey, Walt, you want to finish this? <laughs> right. You just had enough, that's all. <laughs> right. But allowing myself the opportunity to eat until I'm full and to have a choice piece maybe once in a while. Um, women out there, you do deserve to have the best. Share with others, but take care of yourself first. And I always, when I was a therapist, I used to use the analogy, um, especially with moms, if you fly on an airplane and they're going over the directions about the oxygen mask, and they say if you're flying with a small child, whose face do they tell you to cover first with the oxygen mask? Mm. The child or the mother's? They say the mothers, understandably, because if you've passed out due to um, oxygen deprivation, you cannot help your child. That's right. So put the mask, take care of your needs, then take care of your child. And you, as a therapist, I saw so many women whose children and husbands walked all over them, took advantage, um, and they were, you know, didn't understand why. Well, she had inadvertently or unconsciously or in denial taught her husband and children that she didn't matter 
And law of attraction came back, and they didn't take her into account. No, that's right. In fact, uh, it, it brings to mind something else that has happened to many people in their in their lives. I know it's happened to me quite a few times. Is this whole thing about having to or, or trying to go into business for yourself? If you're one of those few who want to go into business, most people don't. Most people go through life, you know, they're satisfied with working a job, working for somebody else, you know, building up the IRA and, and then retiring at 65. But there are a few who do try to go into business. And, and when you go into business, most people think of it in terms of what are you going to do for other people, which is true. It's important. But you'll never survive in business if you're trying to pay everybody else first. That's why one of the, the firmest rules that every entrepreneur knows about is you pay yourself first. Because if you can't pay yourself first, you can't continue the business, which exactly parallels what you were describing with the mother in the airplane with her child. She can't take care of the child until she takes care of herself first, because otherwise she won't have consciousness to take care of the child. Similarly, the entrepreneur who doesn't pay himself first or pay herself first can't possibly survive in business long enough to pay somebody else to do some work. It's just impossible. It can't be done. So what else do we have? We're, we're, we're doing Mike Dooley today, so let, let's take a look at uh, some of the Mike Dooley uh, notes from the universe and see what else we can turn into a little conversation piece. You got anything there? Well, one of the things I was reading earlier today talked, um, brought up something for me in that talk about law of attraction. Sometimes I think terrible things, mm. but and they don't come true. Right. So I was thinking, well, how come they don't come true? And then, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's probably because that horrible thought is followed by, well, I don't really want that to happen, or something positive. So I'm not Because you make it that way. You choose to. I'm not dwelling on the negative. I mean, we've all, even as kids, wanted our parents to die, or wanted (laughs) a co-worker to be gone. Um... That has worked for me at times, so <laughs> <laughs> strangely enough. But that. Um, Be careful if you ever work with Louise. I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> she can banish you with a thought. <laughs> but that um, not every thought has comes true. And one of the things I learned in therapy is just because you think something or you feel something doesn't mean you have to act on it. Right. We all get mad at each other and, you know, loved ones and coworkers and whatever once in a while. But that doesn't mean we have to act on it. Yep. Absolutely true. And in fact, uh, the, the thing, thing that I keep running into, and I think this is what I was alluding to earlier in the program, LOA keeps popping up everywhere. It pops up throughout the day. It's actually gotten to the point where it, it almost interferes with my work. <laughs> Because, oh, good. well, yeah, it is good in a sense. But it, it, I mean, I'll be working on something, and for instance, uh, let, today I was doing some uh, website coding, web page coding, and I was I was writing this code, and I was getting frustrated because it, it wasn't code that I had originally written. It was written by somebody else, who frankly is not really terribly skilled at HTML. So it, it was challenging trying to work through the structure that was already in place. 
And as I was getting more and more frustrated with it, I was finding myself running into more and more roadblocks. And then all of a sudden it occurred to me, uh-oh, LOA, I was focusing on the wrong thing, so what I got was the wrong result. I mean, it just kind of hit me right there in the middle of work. Now, in that case, it was actually a good thing because it reminded me, oh, well, just you know, focus on what good result you want mm-hmm. and you'll get to the end faster. And so I did. And sure enough, I found the solution a whole lot faster because I was focusing on the positive thing that I was reaching for rather than the negative thing I didn't want. I focused on what I wanted rather than what I didn't want. (laughs) Well, I'd like to take a couple minutes to talk about um, Saturday when we drove down to visit Walt's mom. It's Mm. a a two-and-a-half to three-hour ride both Mm -hmm. ways. And about 15, 20 minutes into the ride, um, I started reading from one of Mike Dooley's books and then got tired of that, so put it down. Um, or no, I guess it was, we just, that started it because we would come across um, one of his uh, offerings and it would prompt a conversation. So for almost the full two and a half hours in the drive, we were very focused on law of attraction and the power of positive thinking and being very positive in our thoughts. Right. And Al- we didn't, I don't think we consciously tried to elevate our energy levels. It, it, our energy levels elevated as a result of our conversations. Mm-hmm, as it usually does. And talking things through and puzzling through and talking about how we feel about what's happening and the journey ahead of us. And on the way home, we were driving back mostly in the dark. So we played a game that we've done for since we first met, <laughs> which is we call the alphabet game. And it can be adapted to any topic whatsoever. It's basically you pick a topic and each person takes a turn coming up with something related to that topic with the letter that they in turn would have. What would start with A, I would be B, C, D, on and on. And we did that with, I think we started with things that you love. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was, did we move on to words having to do with um, positive? It was a positive subject. I don't remember what exactly it was. it was. Yeah. But even in the dark, I couldn't read, but we found a way to be in communication with each other on a positive level um, and realizing that, oh, I know what it was at the end of the day. It's like, why can't every day be like this? Mm. That. We need to surround ourselves with so many more positive people because it was such a wonderful day that you go to work and you're around negative people and you the thoughts it's hard to stay positively focused when you're one you're very much the minority mm-hmm. in your environment right and how wonderful an experience it was to spend almost the whole day because it was driving there two and a half hours driving back two and a half hours. I think we visited with your mom for about two hours. Mm-hmm. So that's like seven hours. That's like a full work day, just focused on positives. And what a wonderful experience that was. It was. Us. Yeah, it, it was. You're right. It, it, it's great when you can get that every single day. And I think that's one reason why we're doing this program, because it's one more opportunity to build that positive feeling, even if it's only for an hour. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're doing it uh, together. We're doing it for our audience. But uh, maybe we're doing it for us. We're doing mm-hmm. it so that we can build that experience. So, yeah. Uh, you, you said, it, why can't we do it? Well, we can, apparently, because that's what we're doing. That's what we're <laughs> aiming for. More and more and more and more. Well, that's it. 
Ah, that feels good. It feels, it feels like possibilities. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about um, the messages that Mike gives in his books is the possibilities and remembering how powerful we are um, and that the opportunities are limitless. And it, it can be daunting if I wanted to think of it that way, but I'm going to choose to think of it as exciting mm-hmm. and be curious like a little kid on Christmas morning as to what's going to come next. Yeah. Well, Mike's reminding us in, in this particular note about uh, not worrying about the fact that you haven't seen the unseen yet. Uh, the note says, it's working. No, you probably can't see it yet, but I can. Wheels are now turning that have never turned before. Winds are now howling that have never howled before. And players from every walk of life are being drawn into place as if some hypnotic dance, as if in some hypnotic dance. All because of you, your dreams, and your divinely stubborn persistence. If I wasn't the universe, I don't think I'd believe it. It's working. (laughs) Which is cute. And it is in my life in that thinking about... um, taking the baby steps, and I'm not even sure they're baby steps. I feel like they're more (laughs) adolescent or uh, adult steps to getting a new job. I'm doing the uh, work to write up the proposal, but I'm also thinking about, okay, what clothes do I have in my closet that I could wear to a corporate setting, Um, taking a look at clothes in a consignment store or a regular store, Thinking about shoes, thinking about okay, now if I when I do get this job, my truck's kind of old. If I'm making this kind of money, which is what I want, I could that afford a car payment so I could get a newer vehicle. So I love all the way that you open up the possibilities for yourself. Yeah, you you, you make them all more manifest and more available just by spreading your horizons, just in the way you think about getting a new job. Yeah, and I love it, and I'm. Was going. I may still show my proposal to my current boss um, because the job I'm looking for is within the same corporation that I work for now, um, just to get some feedback from her. But I'm looking more for tweaks or don't forget to add this. I've already asked her who I should show this proposal to, and I've given her a basic outline as to what I want to do. But I'm not open to anybody trying to um, convince me that no, they won't be interested in this, or this isn't the right time, or whatever. Um, that I'm going for this. Yeah, this just, is I mean, it, if had. that happens to be true, you'll find that out anyway. But might as well leave yourself open for the possibility that it could actually work. It could right. work out. Well, I'm I'm pretty confident. I'm darn right confident that it's going to happen. That um, the universe is lining up. Um, all the dominoes to fall in the right place. The right people will be in the right frame of mind when they receive the information I'm sending them and scratch their head and say, you know, we had thought of this. This is a really good idea. And they will talk to whoever they need to to get it approved to at least to have me come in for an interview and to get the ball rolling to make this happen. Mm. And you're convinced that's going to happen? I am. And even been thinking about, okay, when I am there for the interview, and they ask me about this. I will have stuff to hand them, or I will have already thought of this to be able to have answers and responses so that 
part of what I'm realizing is that I don't have to be perfect in my presentation, um, that the universe is going to set it up so that it works. You know, you talked about how you don't really think of, of taking steps as being baby steps, but really that's what those are. They're baby steps. They're little tiny steps in, in the general direction you're trying to get to. And you're, you're not second-guessing yourself. You're simply trying to map things out as well as you can mm-hmm. So in terms of what you're trying to do. And then you're going to see what you get back, what kind of response you get from your employer and, and from the universe in general. And I imagine knowing you as I do that regardless of what that result is, it won't be something that you'll perceive as defeating. It's something you'll perceive as, okay, so this is good. It's worked out the way I want to. It's not quite the way I want to, so I have to zig or zag. And, and what I'm thinking about, you probably already picked this up, but I'm thinking about the, the thing you've always talked about, about when you walk into a barrier. When you run into a barrier, what does that mean? Going in the wrong direction. Right, so you have to change direction. Yeah. And and that's one of the things that I've, I've loved about our relationship before LOA, because when we found LOA, what we find? We find that exact message in LOA. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing I want to do this time is, in the past, I've seen it as I need to go in a direct in different direction, but it was like, okay, this isn't this isn't the job or the dream I'm supposed to be having. I'm supposed to do something else, as opposed to this is a good dream. I dreamt it. It's a valid dream. It can come true. I just need to climb over the wall, go around the wall, build a door, build a window, turn around something, instead of, oh, this isn't where I'm supposed to, the direction I'm supposed to be going in. No, this isn't the way I'm supposed to achieve it. I need to find another way to achieve my goal. Or even more, instead of running into the goal, the barrier, and just giving up because it didn't work. Because that's what, right, that's what right. so often happens. It isn't that, uh, we, we, well, yeah, we do tend to talk ourselves out of stuff, but when we run into that barrier, we just feel like, oh, it's not going to work, so I might as well just quit. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way you can lose. (laughs) You really can't lose any other way. The only way to lose is by quitting. You can run into barrier after barrier after barrier, which means it's time to change thought process. And I know that one really well because I have done that quite a lot. (laughs) But I'm learning. I'm learning to spot the barriers and not run into them. (laughs) Or if I run into them headlong, not to just say, Oh, why did I run into the barrier? (laughs) What's this barrier trying to tell me? (sighs) Why? That's a tough one. You know, especially when you run into people who rub you the wrong way or Mm. really get up in your face. Um, And one of the things I've learned is it may not necessarily be as much about me as I was there to give them the opportunity to learn about themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I was an unconscious foil. I didn't consciously say, okay, I'm going to get up this morning and I'm going to let somebody you know, go off on me verbally. Um, But maybe it was an agreement made long ago or at some other point. And um, So how do you choose to react to it? That's really the key thing. That's it. That's it. Am I going to let it defeat me and stay upset and resentful, which doesn't hurt the other person, only hurts me? Or Or am I going to look at it as far as, okay, what can I learn from it? And take a, you know, if it's not a major impact for me, maybe I was there to help somebody else. Yep, makes sense. Something else happened to me this week. 
Um, you know that as part of my business, I am a subscriber to a service called SEO Brain Trust. Yes. Run by Dan Thies and Leslie Rohde. And uh, these guys are like the top online marketers in the world. I mean, there there aren't if there are any who are better at it than they are, they are in a very very tiny minority. That that's how good these guys are. And they have a terrific service, quite expensive, but a, a very worthwhile service. Anyway, they were doing a, an online recording of a of a segment, a, a webinar segment, if you will, in an ongoing series of um, of lessons, I guess you'd call it, in a course that they were putting together. And they let those of us who are subscribers listen in. So listened into this particular presentation. The presentation was about um, if you're a, a consultant, an online marketing consultant, how to build your business and how to start it, how to build it, how to grow it, how to market it, and how to uh, price it, and all the, all the basic things like that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Leslie was talking about is there are really three kinds of clients that people in our business run into. One kind of client is the kind who, and actually this is true for any business, it's not just for online marketing. Any kind of business you're in, this is going to be true. If you're in consulting, it doesn't matter. If you're not in consulting, you could be just you know, running an e-commerce business, you could be running a regular corporation, you could be running a local retail store. You run into it anywhere. Um, but there are basically three kinds of clients that you run into when you're an online marketing consultant. First kind is the kind who, they're really only interested in picking your brains. That's all they want to do. Yeah. They really don't ever want to be a customer, but they're hoping that if they can pick your brains enough, they can learn enough of your expertise that they can go do it themselves. Right. So they're there basically to waste your time for their benefit. The second kind of customer is the kind who only wants to do everything at the lowest possible price, doesn't really think too much about what kinds of results they're going to get out of that. All they're ever focused on is what's the lowest possible price I can pay to get X done. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they will actually go to great lengths to get that lowest possible price, even though it produces no positive results for them after they've paid for whatever it is. That that's the thing that's really striking about wow. it. Wow. Uh, well, it's actually something I'm familiar with myself. It, I I have that tendency, and it's a tendency I'm learning to move away from, and, and it comes out of a fear, like as all these things do. This one comes out of a fear of scarcity, a fear of of you know, there's not going to be enough money in this case to keep the business going if you spend too much on X. When in fact when you're especially with marketing, it's just the opposite. You have to put as much as you can possibly put into the marketing, especially if you're in the early stages of the business. But even if you're if you have a mature business, you still have to be putting large chunks of money into the marketing if you want the business to keep coming through the sales funnel. Yeah. So that's part that's customer number two. And then customer number three out of the three, obviously this is going to be the good one, is <laughs> is what he called the kind of customer that is abundant. And I said to myself, abundant? <laughs> Leslie's using the word abundant. I mean, that's right out of LOA. So, and what, what is this kind of customer? It's the customer who understands that they have to pay money in order, they have to invest money in order to get the benefit they're looking for for their business, whatever it might be. And, and if they're talking to somebody like me about marketing, consulting, that kind of thing, they're probably looking for help with their website, um, perhaps with their online presence as a whole. Maybe they, they know they have to do social media, but they don't know how to do it. Or, or maybe they've already got an online advertising campaign through AdWords. Or, you know, there, there's all these different possibilities. But chances are they need help with one or more aspects of it. And that's why they're talking to a consultant in the first place. That's the kind of customer he says you really want because they're the ones who have no problem paying full fees. They have no problem 
um, turning the work over to somebody else. They don't want to try to do it all themselves, like the first right. one does. You know, they they basically are not the first two. They are the kind of customer that everybody wants to have. And coincidentally enough, they're also the customer that you can do the most for. Right. And that's really the key point. You can't really do anything for somebody who wants to do it all themselves, and you can't really do anything for somebody who always just wants to pay the lowest possible price regardless of the results. Well, and as you found with your discount long distance or... Oh, yeah, that um, was a while ago. <laughs> ...the discount web design, people wanted a lot and didn't want to pay anything. That's right. And when they didn't get a lot, they complained. And one of the things that I remember believing at the time was, well, if I offer it at a discount, if I offer a really low price, then they're going to stay loyal to me. And it turns out to be just the opposite. The ones who are willing to pay full price, they're the ones who are going to be the ones who are going to be loyal. They're they're going to stay with me the longest. That's what my actual experience has told me. Whereas the ones who have always tried to get the lowest possible price on anything, they're the ones who go away first. (laughs) And I think that ties in with... um Oh, gosh, the thought just went out of my head. Well, you you get what you pay for, and no, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, it'll Sorry, be back. Folks. It'll, it'll be back. back. Don't worry about it. But it, it's still, the, the thing that struck me about this webinar is the fact that he identified two the, the, the two main kinds of customers I've had for years, and the fact that I was, he didn't actually say it the way that LOA people say it, but it was basically the same thing, that the reason I kept getting those customers is because they were the ones I was expecting to get. I wasn't expecting to get the abundant customer, the one right. who's willing to spend the money, the willing, who, the one who understands that you have to invest in your business if you want to build your business, the, the kind of customer that you really want to have. That's what I've been trying to learn the last few years, and I think I'm I'm finally to the point where I've learned it. In fact, um, on a recent coaching call, the, the service they offer a weekly coaching call, and I, and I called in on this particular call and said, well, Leslie, I, I, I think you convinced me um, I've got to start reaching out for the, the higher-priced customers, not for the cheapy customers. I've got to you know, raise my rates way up and so forth. Now I'm just trying to learn how to do it. And he said, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> that t- I remember what I was going to say. It ties in with valuing yourself. Oh, that's right. When you charge low rates, you attract the customer who doesn't want to spend much money Mm -hmm. and who is going to complain a lot about what they aren't getting or even what you do give them Mm -hmm. um, because they don't value you. That's right. And they go away quickly. But when you put a decent price on the service you provide, you're saying to your customers, I am worthy. I have value my service has value, and they believe it, and they use it accordingly. They don't abuse it, and they stick around because they want to be with people who value themselves. Who wants to hang around with a person whose shoulders are slumped and basically saying, oh, I'm not worthy, <laughs> I don't deserve, you know, oh, you can have... You know, the poor, poor, pitiful me, that's such an energy drain and And so much negativity who wants to hang around with that when you're, hey, you know, I have this great service and this is what I charge and it's worth it and this is what you're going to get for it. Wow. And I have to admit, I'm a little surprised at myself that I fell into that trap. 
because, as you know, before I decided to strike out on my own and become self-employed, I worked in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. And I had gotten, I moved my way up the ladder, so to speak, not within one company, because that's pretty hard to do these days, but I'd done it by jumping from one company to the next, like so many other people do. And I had successfully, basically in the course of a four-year period, doubled my income by doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the process of doing that, you would have thought that I would have, learned the concept well enough that you have to value yourself in order for other people to value you and then transfer that over to business. But I didn't. Mm. And there's a lesson in this, not only for people who are self-employed, but for people who are choosing a career path working for corporations or other companies or so forth. The same principle applies. You want to get ahead in, in your career, you have to be willing to believe in yourself. You have to be willing that you're worth more than what you are being paid right. right now. You have to be willing to believe that you are entitled to do more of the things that you enjoy doing rather than the things that you hate doing if you want to get into something where you're doing more of what you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to believe in yourself for all of those things, and that's part of the basic LOA process. And how is anybody else going to believe you if you don't? That's right. And I ran into that recently when I um, asked for a raise. Mm. Now, having worked... Um, Outside of daycare, I don't want to say the real world, but in um, oh, bigger business, I would, had learned in college or somewhere that if you want to raise, you go in citing what you have done over the past year, six months, whatever it is since your started employment or your last raise, um, and you list what you have done that benefits the company. Um, and I did that, and I got a raise, and I had said something oh, to one of my coworkers. I was going to go meet with my director about my raise, and I said, oh, I've got a meeting with so She goes, what about? I said, a raise. She said, oh, good luck. And uh, came back and was talking to her, and she said, you know, so, do you really think you're going to get it? And uh, I said, yeah. Um, my director said there's no problem with getting, you know, putting in for that raise that she thought there would be no problem. And she's like, well, how did you do that? And I told her mm-hmm. what I went in with was I went in with a list of the um, accomplishments that I had um, done that benefited the company. In your case, and, there are a lot of them. <laughs> well, thank you. And she's like, I never heard of that. Well, this is a college-educated woman, but she had no idea how you went about asking in a professional manner how you went about asking for a raise. And you have to go in valuing what you do and what you do for the company if you want them to see that you have value. They're not going to come to you after you've been there a year or five years if you've never asked for a raise and say, oh, we love what you're doing, unless it's you know a pretty magnanimous company. They're saving money. Why should they give you a raise or more benefits or whatever if you don't value yourself? And probably you're not getting treated very well or getting um, overlooked for promotions or advancement or whatever because you don't speak up and you don't value yourself. So you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and take a look at what do I do that does have value? Just being alive, you have value. But in the workplace, what do you um, bring to that job that adds value to the company you work for. I have to admit, I, I think I probably valued myself pretty well all along, although perhaps not as well as I could have in the early years. But anyway, I ended up working for employers 
who would have annual reviews and who would give me raises without even without me even asking for them. But by the same token, during the year, I would at numerous times both do things that were really, really helpful to the company and then either directly or indirectly point out that, you know, I'm really not being paid enough for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I probably set myself up to get those reviews. I don't think that they happened totally by accident. Uh, in fact, there was never a time... I, I've never been fired from a job. I've always quit. And in each case, I quit because I wanted something better. Mm-hmm. So I always had the expectation that I was worth more than, than what I was being paid no matter how high it got. Mm-hmm. And that probably is why I kept getting it. But you're right, people often will have positions where they don't get offered an annual review or a review every couple of years or whatever. So that's where it becomes very, very important to start valuing yourself. And again, for women, we're not supposed to talk about money. We're not supposed to, you know, it's boasting to talk about yourself. Well, no, it's not. Men do it all the time. They go into their boss and they say, hey, you know, I've done this, this, and this. I would like a raise, or I, I deserve a raise, I want a raise. Women need to do the same thing. And um, I think I wrote a, a piece that will appear on a blog or in one of my books that I'm working on about how to boost your self-confidence and your ego when you're going to go in to do this. Because if you don't feel it initially, that's okay. Practice in front of the mirror. Practice with a friend. Practice just changing the inflection in your voice or the way you sit, the way you speak, um, the clothes you wear, so that you project confidence and self-assuredness. That you know, You've got to be willing to maybe take some criticism if there are things that you haven't done or be willing to understand that you're not just going to get a raise and continue to do the workload you've been doing that they are going to want you more than likely to do more um, with the raise. So you've got to be willing to take that on. Right, and it's not just raises. It's about your whole career path. Fortunately, unlike perhaps, say, 20, 25 years ago, women do have more role models they can look at in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. One that comes to mind immediately is Marissa Mayer. For those of you who don't know who she is, she is the new CEO of Yahoo!, she came from Google. She was one of the original 100 or so employees at Google, did very well over there, got hired away from Google. Um, current worth is roughly $300 million U.S. dollars. Uh, she just gave birth. She's on maternity leave as the CEO of Yahoo. <laughs> and uh, no resistance at all. I mean, she just basically, at, at 37, has you know reached the pinnacle of her industry. You said how, ma- how many million? $300 million. That's her net worth. Oh, jeez. Not bad for somebody who's 37. No, not at <laughs> all. And I, surprising, I'm glad you pointed her out because that needs to happen more and more. The stereotype and the, the thinking in women still persists um, to a degree that I thought would have gravely diminished over the years with women's lib and the role model. So... Maybe it is finally um, taking off and more women are in positions to have overcome or maybe weren't even brought up with the Mm -hmm. self-doubt and are feeling strong enough. 
um, to that and value themselves so that they can move into these positions and do really well. And I suspect younger listeners probably don't feel quite so much the same thing that you're talking about, younger female listeners, but older listeners will certainly recognize it because you're right, it's been quite a, 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 say, a 20, 30, 40 year period um, for the emergence of women in the corporate culture. Um, perhaps not as fast as you or I might have wanted to see it happen, but it's happening. It's been an emergence. It's been sort of an evolution. And the uh, good news is that it continues. It doesn't show any signs of slowing down. If anything, it's showing signs of speeding up. And uh, regardless of one's political persuasion or, or one's uh, religious persuasion or whatever else, the fact is we've reached the point now where the, the idea of women getting ahead in the world is just second nature. It's not that that much is gone. The idea from 30 years ago that there was a glass ceiling and that you couldn't penetrate the glass ceiling. So many people have broken through that glass ceiling that, uh, for at least for most younger women, that glass ceiling doesn't exist anymore, and that's a good thing. I agree. Yeah. Well, let's see. We are actually at about the one-hour mark. Do we have any more we want to talk about? Because if not, maybe what we should do is just sign off and invite people back uh, for our next show. Now, we aren't sure when we're going to do the next one. Um, we're kind of tentatively, maybe so-so, thinking about doing it once a week on Wednesday, but that's still up in the air. We aren't quite sure how it's going to work out. So we'll leave it like this. Visit the website. Um, actually, the best thing to do at the website is follow us on Twitter. You'll see our Twitter handle there. Um, if you don't want to go to the website, very easy. The handle is at LOA Radio. I'm sorry, LOA Today Radio, at LOA Today Radio. And uh, if you follow us on Twitter, we, we'll put out uh, announcements each time when we're going to do a show. And uh, I guess that's about it. So I want to say thank you for joining us this evening. And we look forward to getting the technology uh, set so that we can uh, talk to you in person. Uh, not in person, but on <laughs> the airwaves. And I hope you have a great week. And uh, look for all the positives that you can find this week and think positively, and it will come to pass. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today Radio. Goodbye, everybody.